0: Hi, Ron here, and welcome. We love that you've come to join us here and listen to a lot of our episodes. Please help us continue with this by supporting us through either joining the Barak Centre at thebarakcentre.com or joining us at the Fringe Church at thefringechurch.com and sharing and donating through those sources. And once again, thank you for joining us today. Good morning and welcome to Devotions again. Revelations chapter one, the 11th verse. And I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man clothed in a robe that reached to his feet and girt about uh, the breast with a golden girdle. His head and his hair were white, as white as wool, like snow. And his eyes were as a flame of fire. And his feet were like beaten brass, as if it had been refined in a furnace. And his voice was that of many waters. He had seven stars in his right hand, and out of his mouth there was coming a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was as the burning sun in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. And he put his right hand on me and said, stop being afraid. I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one, though I was dead. And behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and of Hades. Here's the secret meaning of the seven stars, which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Well... This is great. This is where John gets down to his core business. He starts to preach Jesus. So the imagery of verses 12 to 15 are reminiscent, very reminiscent of the vision of of Daniel in chapter 10. Jesus is dressed as a priest. The letter to the Hebrews describes Jesus as the great high priest who's gone through the veil into the temple to present his offering to God on our behalf. Um, The whiteness of his hair, so priest number one, whiteness of his hair is an attribute of the Ancient of Days in Daniel. By attributing that to Jesus, John is presenting Jesus as the second person of the Trinity. He is Lord and God, like Thomas worked out at the end of the Gospels. And this way, John ties Jesus and the Father together, images of the Father used for Jesus. The voice reminds us of the Old Testament water images of which there are many, but notably the river of God in Ezekiel 43. 43. Jesus is the source of the river of God. He is the new temple out of which this river comes that just comes out like a trickle, but increases and widens and broadens until in no time at all. It's a massive stream with trees on either side that bear their fruit 12 times a year, so on or not. The two-edged sword comes out of Isaiah chapter 11, uh, smiting the world with the rod of his mouth. Jesus is also presented as judge. It's reminiscent of Isaiah 49, where the servant of the Lord has a voice like a sharp sword. And remember, it was the servant songs of Isaiah that Jesus used as the grid to understand his ministry and to help people to understand what he was on about. He holds the death, uh, the keys of death and hell. Um, That powerful, powerful statement of, I am the Lord of what is to come. I own judgment. I own death. His face, like the midday sun, reminds us of the glory of God in the transfiguration. Um, the, The expression of, you know, all those sunshine images, reveals the incompatibility of light and darkness. In him was light. There was no darkness at all. You know, Light shines in darkness and darkness can't overcome it. So we're picking up all those images as well. See, in a few little words, he's just painting this phenomenal, rich, nuanced picture of Jesus. Now, the seven stars are really interesting. And this is where he says there's a secret meaning to this. You'll get all the rest from reading the Old Testament. There's a bit of a bit of a thing here. Let me tell you what they are. Now, rather than a biblical reference, these are likely to refer to the coinage of the time. On a lot of Roman coins, there were seven stars printed. And the seven stars were a symbol of world domination. They were very reminiscent of, of the Pax Romana, the right of Rome to rule and to enforce its peace and so on. Here, John says, ah, nope. They represent the angels of the church. These, this is what is going to actually dominate the world. The church is worthy of seven stars, not the Roman Empire. This is a direct challenge to Rome. This is actually saying of this, and remember what a small group this was, how easy targets they were for persecution. But John has the stuff to say, your seven stars, mm, we have them. We are going to rule the world. Poof! Now, John's reaction to this, uh, understandably, he's quite terrified. He, he's, I mean, this isn't just literature. He is actually seeing something here, you know, and, and he's absolutely freaked out. He falls down in a dead faint. And um, I guess I just want to say, there's a lot of people who reckon they're prophets around the place. They have tremendous clarity and tremendous certainty and, you know, and the Lord came to me and, you know. never trust a prophet who wasn't terrified, confused, bedazzled and took time to recover from both the message they received and the calling they received to prophesy. This is what a genuine prophet looks like. Head blown apart. Freaked out. Needing to hear that voice of God that is where a lot of prophecy starts. Don't be afraid. You know. Now we hear that, fear not, and it always sounds so comforting. It's not, you only get told to fear not if you're freaked out. John was. So when God appears to people, it leads to a broken humility, an overwhelming sense of our smallness, and, and that's one of the signs of a genuine prophet. The last word, note the word now in verse 19. This book is about the things that are now and are yet to come. This church is called to live this day out of the not yet. So what we have now, there is a not yet, but live now as if we already owned the not yet. Paul picks this sort of stuff stuff up in 2 Corinthians 4, 7 to 11. um, and 2 Corinthians 6, he picks up the same thoughts. He says, look, we are afflicted, but never defeated. We are perplexed never in despair. We find ourselves half dead. We are not finished off. John starts off here and he's really laying out some agenda for his his letter to his churches. He is saying there is no excuse for a depressed, timid, self-serving Christianity. No matter what. Well, let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for John being in the Spirit. Father, we have this idea that when we are in the Spirit, it will be a Zen-like state of quietness and tranquility. And, and here are people again, as is common in the Bible, falling down as though dead, utterly freaked out, terrified, and needing to hear the voice of God saying, Stop being afraid. Stand up. Lord, it's an amazing thing. But Lord, Apart from the experience itself, we want to join John in worshipping you today, Jesus. Lord, to say that everything he saw in you, we have seen in you too. Father, we just ask for grace that so we could see it more clearly, a little more the way John saw it. To let it get down into our spirits the way it got down into John's spirit. And Lord, to understand your rank, your, your power, your personhood. And Lord, to understand that it is your spirit that dwells in us and the ridiculous honour that that is as he who is all in all, the ruler of all, dwells in us and with us and visits. Lord, we are not worthy of these things, but that's the mystery that we serve. Not of our own doing, but by grace. Nothing for us to boast about, but boy, if we wanted to hoo. So Say Lord, just make us this big. We ask it today in Jesus name. Amen. Bless you. Thank you for listening to another episode and please don't forget to sign up to the or the Fringechurch.com and help support us so we can reach many more. Thank you again for joining us today.